Well, good afternoon. It's five past twelve, my local time, and uh, hello from the reasonable doctor. And as promised in the last podcast, I would look with you today at the anti-theism and the anti-religionism of Christopher Hitchens. Now, as you know, Hitchens was a British-American journalist. He was a leading new atheist until his untimely demise in 2011. And the title and subtitle of his book, God is Not Great, How Religion Poisons Everything, reveals the two sides of his belief system with regards to God and religion. Hitchens was both an anti-theist and an anti-religionist. And these convictions were the product of three fundamental principles. One, his belief that humans have free will. They are both personally free and therefore ought to be politically free. So Hitchens is a metaphysical libertarian and he's also a socio-political libertarian. Hitchens believed in universal objective moral values. These are moral values that are fixed and binding on all humans at all times and in all places. And then thirdly, uh, for Hitchens, the best way of understanding the world, or perhaps even the only way of understanding it, is through reason and evidence. Now, why is Hitchens an anti-theist? Well, He's an enthusiastic anti-theist. He's delighted that, in his opinion, uh, there is no good evidence for the existence of God. Because if God did exist, he would make human free will impossible. And the reason for this is that God is omniscient, he's omnipotent, and he's omnipresent. And therefore there is no room within the universe for human free will if God exists. If God existed, he would be the sublime totalitarian. He would know everything, he would be everywhere, and he would be able to do anything he liked, regardless of what human beings think, feel, and want to do themselves. With regards to universal objective moral values, Hitchens judges religion historically and contemporaneously as being particularly egregious and uniquely egregious also. Thirdly, if reason and evidence are the way of looking at the world, then religion is no good because religions are irrational. They ask people to believe unevidenced propositions. Yet as we will see, there are limits to Hitchens' anti-religionism, which puts him at variance with Richard Dawkins. Hitchens believed that religion would not disappear. Um, I think that Dawkins at times has hoped that religion will finally be expunged. And that is interesting because Dawkins uses a cultural argument for this, whereas Hitchens uses an argument from evolution, which is what you'd expect Dawkins to use. And Hitchens says, well, no, religion won't disappear because it is encoded within us by our evolution. And also to abolish religion would be a totalitarian act, something that Hitchens can't countenance. So what is to be done with religion? Well, first of all, 
there should be an armed struggle against violent extreme religion. But with regards to moderate religion, that can be permitted to exist, but it should really be kept within the private space of individual belief rather than out in the public square within a democratic secular society. So let's look, let us look more deeply at Hitchens the anti-theist. Hitchens is a kind of atheist because he is an anti-theist. An anti-theist, like an atheist, does not think that God exists or does not think it's likely that God exists. It's highly likely that God does not exist. But the anti-theist is very pleased about this because in some way, if God existed, God would be detrimental to human flourishing. But for Hitchens, as we have seen, God's non-existence is, is wonderful because if God did exist, he would be the total totalitarian. And why is this? Well, if we look at some of the qualities or characteristics of God that Hitchens points out, we can see the reasoning behind Hitchens' position. First of all, God is unending. He can't be got rid of. His government can never be overthrown. It, it is everlasting or eternal, whichever word you want to use, although those two terms mean different things. God's government is established without human consent. God is able to read our minds. So if we think a wrong thought, God will always know it. God enslaves people. He places them under constant surveillance. Those who resist him are sent to everlasting torment in hell. God is invincible. And alongside that, God has set up an impossible law for humanity to keep. God is also a creator whose method of creation has resulted in the deaths of billions, animals, plants, humans and so on. This is also a God who demands propitiation, sacrifices, worship, and perhaps the most insulting thing of all in Hitchens' opinion, this is a God who demands that we love him despite the wrong and the harm that he does to us. We are expected to be warped masochists. But what about benevolent deities? Is it not possible that God could be good? Well, Hitchens says this is even worse because a good God would be patronising. A good God would keep people infantilised like flocks of sheep. A good God would be like some sort of cosmic Mary Poppins who would ensure that you would get the good thing done to you whether you liked it or not. And that is worse than the evil God who mistreats you or ignores you. But God, if he existed, in Hitchens' opinion, is more likely to be evil. And here he comes up with what I like to call the folded arms parable. Hitchens says that Human beings have been around for 150,000 years, and yet God has stood by with his arms folded, watching the suffering and the turmoil and the chaos and the conflict. And only then, 
after 148 years of unimaginable suffering, God intervened by sending his son and his son dying on the cross, which in Hitchens' opinion, if it did happen, has achieved nothing. So let's look further at his anti-religionism. We've already noted that Hitchens believes that there should be an armed struggle against extremists, violent extremists, but that tamed religion, moderate religion, should be quarantined within the sphere of private belief, hedged around by secular laws, such as the separation of church and state. But Hitchens' subtitle to his book, How Religion Poisons Everything, is problematic because it's a universal proposition. It's saying all X is Y, and all you have to do to disprove the universal proposition is find one exception. So how does Hitchens defend his, his, stub, his subtitle, this bold proposition that all religion poisons everything? Well, Hitchens comes up with an ingenious defence which is flawed, but criticism of Hitchens' position comes later. I'm expositing it rather than critiquing it at the moment. Hitchens says that religion does not directly ruin everything, but it ruins everything indirectly. So, for example, religion teaches us that we are all miserable sinners. Now, imagine it's your birthday and you have been taken out to your favourite restaurant uh, to have your favourite food by your friends. And they have paid for the meal, they have paid for your taxi ride there and your taxi ride back. The evening has been wonderful, the conversation has been interesting and stimulating full of gentle ironic humor the live music the the jazz singer and the pianist have been also excellent they've been wonderfully inspired but there you are in your taxi going home looking forward to climbing into bed and sleeping and you're thinking about the wonderful evening you've had and you've also been given gifts as well by your friends and suddenly you realize that you're only a worthless sinner. And the whole evening is ruined by that contextual conviction. And that is what Hitchens means by religion poisoning everything. People who live against a backdrop of self-condemnation can never enjoy anything. For Hitchens, religion is also the origin of totalitarianism if god if god if he existed would be a, a, a superlative totalitarian then religion is the origin of totalitarianism on earth and this is um the idea that one single religious leader such as a, a pope or a pharaoh has access to god and so whose instructions are to be obeyed without question and such theocratic rulers are able to rule because of the masses desire to worship and their civility in return for access to heaven as historical evidence hitchens identifies um, kings and rulers who have claimed to be divine and also the natural alliance between religion and secular dictatorship such as 
Catholicism's accommodation with fascism at the Lateran Treaty of 1929. In response to the rejoinder that there have been secular atheist dictatorships which have been responsible for worse, worse atrocities than theocracies such as Stalin and Mao, Pol Pot and the Kims of North Korea, Hitchens says, well, yes, that's true, but still the religious instinct is the source of their totalitarian, totalitarian systems as well. The atheist dictator exploits the desire to worship by demanding that people worship him and not God. Hitchens says that religion cannot make people better. Hitchens' evidence for this, or so-called evidence, is Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., the civil rights campaigner and moral giant of the 20th century. Hitchens argues that King was not really a Christian, and that his use of biblical imagery to connect with his audiences was because they were raised in a Christian context and therefore would understand those images. Moreover, Hitchens says that religion, far from improving people, makes them worse. And as examples, he gives those leaders who make knowingly false claims in order to gain power. And here I'm talking about religious leaders. And he, he names individuals within American evangelicalism. Hitchens says that religion makes people racist. He refers to the Dutch Reformed Church's use of scripture to justify apartheid. Um, and of course, Catholicism's um, anti-Semitism. He refers us to uh, institutional child abuse within religion, terrorism, and of course the, uh, the well-known um, accusation against religion that it starts wars. It's the, it's the biggest cause of war that we know. So, so far we've discussed Hitchens' hostility to religion, but religion in a particularly theistic sense. The theisms were the religions that Hitchens most understood. Judaism, Christianity and Islam. But Eastern religions come in also for a kicking. Hindus and Buddhists, according to Hitchens, have engaged in violence and have imposed dictatorships. He refers to the Sri Lankan Civil War, in which the Hindu Tamils fought against the Buddhist Sinhalese. He also refers to how the, how the Nichiren sect within um, Japanese Buddhism allied itself with Japanese imperialism, and that Japan's war against Britain and America in the Pacific and Asia was seen as a kind of liberation theology from Anglo-American imperialism. To emphasise his point, Hitchens issues the following challenge. Can you think of any good deed a religious person does which an unreligious person could not do? And his answer is, well, no, you can't. He then goes on to say, can you think of an evil act that only religious people do? And he prompts his audience at this point. And he says, yes, you can. And he gives two examples, uh, circumcision and suicide bombing. Now, all of this raises the question of what 
are Hitchens' normative ethics. Well, he was interviewed about this, um, I think by Vanity Fair, I'm not sure, but he was certainly interviewed and he was asked, which virtue do you most highly prize? And he said courage. Irony also ranks very highly in Hitchens' moral universe. His view of the golden rule is that it is an ideal that we ought to try to live up to, but admit that we consistently will fail to do so. Hitchens sees humans as self-centred, yet they have rights and they have obligations to others. The essence of good human interaction is mutual respect. Like the good secular humanist he is, Hitchens declares humans to be intrinsically valuable. So Hitchens, in summary, is a contemporary secular liberal. He's a Democrat with the secular confidence that morality does not depend on religion. So what are his meta-ethics? Well, as I've already mentioned, Hitchens regards humans as possessing free will. So they are morally culpable. He regards his moral values as objective and therefore universal. Hence his ability to condemn the behaviour of previous civilizations on the basis that there is an objective universal morality by which everyone, whatever time or space they occupy, can be held accountable to. Hitchens says that the source of human morality is within evolution and human natural selection. Because human beings are social beings who have to group together to survive, it means that people have to take into account each other's feelings and interests. Therefore, most people are naturally good and they have a conscience. Now, the second pillar of Hitchens' anti-religionism is that religion is irrational. And just, if we've, just as we have just talked about Hitchens' uh, challenge, we also now need to come across what's been called Hitchens' razor which is a double-edged razor. And he uses this razor to demonstrate the irrationality of religion. One edge of the razor says this, the burden of proof is on the person who makes the bigger claim. If the person with the burden of proof does not accept this, his or her argument can be ignored. The other side of the razor is as follows, if the burden of proof is accepted, but no proper evidence is presented, the argument can be dismissed. And we can see how this applies to religion. Religious people make bigger claims than atheists. The claim that the universe and God exists is a bigger claim than the universe alone exists. And if the religious person has a burden of proof, and accepts that burden of proof, but does not provide proper, proper evidence, and Hitchens doesn't think there is any proper evidence for religion, then the religious person's argument can be dismissed. Religion is also the explanatory mechanism for the universe that comes from humanity's pre-scientific infancy. So religion is essentially childish thinking. 
What about the evidence from Revelation? What about those people who claim to have received messages from God? Well, Hitchens points out that there are many conflicting revelatory reports. Do we believe Jesus? Do we do we believe Buddha? Uh, do we believe uh, Muhammad? Which of these people do we believe? That was his view. And he also um, points out what he regards as contradictions within the Jewish Christian Holy Scriptures. So, for example, he says, well, there are contradictions between the Gospels and historical understanding. So, despite what the Gospels say, there is no evidence for Caesar's census, which, according to uh, the New Testament writers, uh, caused Joseph and Mary to travel to Bethlehem. When it comes to arguments for God's existence, Hitchens looks at two. One is the Kalam cosmological argument, and the other, the other is the teleological argument. Hitchens finds the Kalam cosmological argument regarding the beginning of the universe as problematic because he does not think that an infinite chain of causes is impossible. And secondly, he asks the same question that Richard Dawkins asks, which is, well, if God is the origin of the universe, if he's the cause, who made God? With regard to the teleological argument or the argument from design, Hitchens sees this as a clear case of human egotism. Humans are hubristic enough to think that they are the end result of the universe, that the universe came into being and everything that has happened since has been gearing up to bringing about human existence. And Hitchens says that is just human egotism. He also points at what he calls cosmic confusion. If God is such a great creator, why is the universe so chaotic? And if God did set up evolution and natural selection, then he is a real blunderer because he has needed enormous amounts of time and much wasted biological matter to produce life forms, which themselves eventually will go extinct. With regards to miracle claims, Hitchens wheels out Hume's argument or one of his arguments against miracles which essentially runs as follows. If you think you have witnessed a miracle, you have two choices. One, you must think that natural laws have been suspended, or two, that you are mistaken. Uh, which of those two is most likely to be true? Well, Hitchens says it's number two, that you are mistaken. And so religion is guilty of epistemic wickedness. Reason is an epistemic virtue. Faith, which is believing things without evidence, is epistemic wickedness. But there is a surprising twist to all of this. And this is what makes Hitchens such a fascinating writer, thinker and talker. Hitchens not only did not think that religion would disappear, which put him at odds with Richard Dawkins, but he does not want moderate religion to disappear, which certainly makes him a heretic within the ranks of new atheism. And he justifies this by saying that some religious beliefs are useful, 
and this is quite an, an, an admission on his part, he says that belief in God as a creator is a barrier to human hubris. The religious conclusion that we don't know everything, or which is not necessarily a religious conclusion, I mean, that, that is a conclusion of atheists and agnostics and so on, but the, the religious emphasis upon not understanding everything, and in fact only understanding a small part of, of the nature of God and existence and so on, is in Hitchens eyes a barrier to human egotism and arrogance. Hitchens also says that he enjoys arguing with, with religious believers because he learns things from them. And then finally to get rid of religion would be a totalitarian act. So although we have a man saying that religion poisons everything, he still makes room for moderate religion on the grounds of the things I've just described. So there's a bit of a contradiction there. So in conclusion, we see that Hitchens is a textbook enlightenment thinker. The term anti-theist was a product of the enlightenment. According to Reza Aslan, this term was first used in 1788, right slap bang in the middle of the enlightenment. For Hitchens, religion is supernatural irrationalism, which is classic, classic Enlightenment thinking. Hitchens also had a suspicion of authority. Again, the Enlightenment thinkers had a suspicion of the religious authorities of their day. And Hitchens is a utilitarian. Moral values are to be prized because they are have been useful in terms of human survival and they continue to be important for that reason. So Hitchens was a happy anti-theist who is also an anti-religionist and yet does not want moderate religion to disappear. And in the next podcast we will explore the critical response to Hitchens, which has come from both the religions and the atheists. Until next time, thank you for listening and take care.